Hello, and welcome to another bonus episode of the award-winning podcast, The Academy Academy, the show that discovers the absolute, undeniable, and scientifically proven greatest performance in your favorite actor's esteemed career. I'm Don Saunderson. I'm Patrick Remian. Oh, man, this is going to be rough. <laughs> I, I put a little pepper on that because I was, uh, you know... <laughs> Feeling it a little. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So this episode, as you, I'm sure you've all seen from the title, we're calling yeah. uh, HBOAL. Yes. Uh, these are three biopics that Al Pacino was in between the years 2010 and 20. Oh, not prepared. 18, uh, 18. 20, 2017, 2018. Oh, 17. 18, yeah. April 7th, 2018. There we go. And I think you could, oddly enough, Patrick, I was thinking before we dove in, like, if you really wanted to, you could predate this on two sides with um, one, another HBO film, Angels in America, where he plays Roy Cohn. Yes. And then if you really wanted to stretch out, not an HBO film, but The Irishman, where he plays Jimmy Hoffa, uh, <laughs> to get the full spectrum of Al Pacino post-war man in America. Um, yeah. These three movies, you know, we'll just tell you straight up, they are pretty grim movies yeah they deal with pretty heavy duty and pr- really dark <laughs> themes uh almost surprising for basic cable yeah. <laughs> um, but i guess hbo did have oz uh that is true but uh yeah so yeah. just a heads up we're gonna talk about some pretty um unsavory pretty intense unsavory kind of stuff so if you're yeah. not into it you know we totally get it go back and listen to the geely episode that was fun <laughs> yeah also there's not going to be unfortunately there's no like musical number in any of these like in oz one of the yeah. best one of the best musical episodes of a show ever maybe these these movies uh oh they're all sad yeah lean I... lean, lean hard on a grounded realism <laughs> yeah when oh man when like yeah when like the the uh, when arguably the happiest movie is about jack kevorkian yeah, That's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> the the hero of the group is Jack Kevorkian. Uh, we'll just you know let you know yeah. that there. Um, yeah. But yeah, these are these are really interesting films, and mm-hmm. I'm just gonna say like right now, I'm pretty like stoked that we decided to cover these ones because I I'm... think that they could have been missed, and mm-hmm. they are actually pretty interesting. I'm fascinated by them. It is like yeah, and it is a thing too where um I think a lot of people sleep on these movies mm-hmm. and don't realize that like yeah you have some like big you know, the two of them are Barry Levinson films. All three, I think Barry Levinson. He produced Spectre yeah, as well. Yeah, he produced Spectre, and then Spectre is directed by Mamet, and so yeah. And uh, Al is surrounded by incredibly talented actors in all three of the movies. No surprise, we've learned that over the last few months of dealing with Al Pacino. Uh, but I, I think they are just really yes, they kind of like you thought they were like kind of these. TV movies. Um, just a sec. Oh man. Yeah. Okay. Where were we? I don't remember. I don't remember either. Uh, uh, well, you know, we could just let the audience know we got a, we had a, you know, the very Academy Academy swerve. We had a massively crying baby that needed to be dealt with by both husband and wife. And, yeah. uh, you know, that interrupted us from what was more than likely a brilliant conversation about yep. Al Pacino. We were going to discover uh, Al Pacino's uh, deakest, darkest uh, 
secret. And we just- and that's, you know, I think it, it, what we were basically getting at is that these are far more interesting than their surface elements would have you think that's exactly uh, that's exactly what we were talking about yeah we were i think that's literally the yeah, app we were yeah. just talking about that Perfect. <laughs> okay there we, there we go uh, total recovery um we're back baby we're back you know how it goes but these are these are these are fascinating movies that you know the levinson pacino partnership here mm-hmm. and i i find some kind of remarkable connections between mm-hmm. the three movies um you know basically this idea of kind of American rot celebrity, the post-war man, um, man. Yeah. And kind of like the idea of success, what success can do to you. I mean, you know, Kevorkian isn't exactly like successful, but he is on the cover of time magazine. He is a celebrity. Yeah. That's interesting. Out of all these people, I think Jack Kevorkian, weirdly enough, was the only person I knew about in high school, which is kind of crazy the more I think about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I think, like, for some reason, like, well, I think there was just, like, a, a period of time, too, where, like, uh, you know, you would he- it was, his name was almost like a punchline. I feel like there were, like, a lot of TV shows where, like, uh, whenever someone had, like, a bad doctor or something. Yeah, like that, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that was like the recur- it's like, oh, here we go. Here's Dr. Kevorkian. Like, I think that was like a recurring joke in like the mid the mid 2000s. I didn't get a chance to look it up, but I was I was going to take an educated guess that he came up in a Weird Al song to okay. go off of last <laughs> week's episode. He probably did. I, uh, yeah. I have a and I think Kevorkian probably re- like remarkably rhymed with something. So, um, yeah, oh, but I, I, yeah, it, but I think at the same time, like. Well, it was the the Kevorkian's attorney says a line like um, right message, wrong vessel. Yeah. And in a sense, there's a lot of Al Pacino's characters, Um, you know, a guy who's trying to do something bigger, trying to do something more and just kind of like, yeah, like Jack Kevorkian can't get out of his own way. Or, you know, on the flip side of that, when Al plays a character who is successful they are undeniably like tarnished and blinded by their power and success to the point where they become monsters you know you can even go to godfather yeah with that kind of character and certainly you know phil specter and in particular joe paterno yeah fit the bill because phil specter i think clearly had many more issues beyond just being insulated and powerful mm-hmm. um paternos is that he was in this one small community a god and yeah. when you're treated like a god for 50 years that probably does strange things to your behavior yep and it's like yeah and uh do we want to just uh, start with you don't know jack do we want to get sure into- yeah let's get into it uh so 2010 uh, made for television biopic uh, You Don't Know Jack uh, written by Adam Mazur directed by Barry Levinson co-starring Danny Houston, Susan Sarandon John Goodman and Brenda Vaccaro and look at this, a very young Adam Driver in the oh, mix wow. on this yeah. one too um, I saw that it premiered April 24th 2010, it had a budget of $18 million um, it was nominated for 15 primetime emmy awards 
and it won two outstanding lead actor for Al Pacino and outstanding writing for Adam Mazur. Uh, Al also won the GG and the Screen Actors Guild Award for the same um, same uh, category. Nice. Uh, you know, and it's clear. I mean, this is right from the start. I mean, he's he's doing you know. <laughs> Very Al moves, weird hair, weird voice. <laughs> you know, yeah. he's, it's, it's all it's all kind of happening right from the jump. Yeah. And, I, and I think it, a lot of this, like, I was thinking about this, the title of this movie, You Don't Know Jack, this kind of yeah. idea is that Kevorkian, for as much as kind of, you know, like you were saying, Patrick, he was this kind of punchline in this character of the 90s, mm-hmm. a rather mysterious guy. Yes. And unknowable. And I think you could argue the same for Spectre and Paterno in a way and how Pacino plays them. That is like it's it is fascinating that these characters are like they were like these specters of like, you know, the 20th century, uh specific parts of it, I guess. But mm-hmm. uh with the exception of maybe Phil Specter, you really couldn't do like an impersonation of like they're like people like, I don't know, like I'm thinking of like if like, you know, Genie and Aladdin were to do a Kevorkian joke, he mm-hmm. wouldn't turn into Kevorkian and do a Kevorkian impression. Like that's yeah. not like the thing. And it's uh, it's weird because like, in, yeah, because like one thing that you got through a through line for all three of these like uh, performances is they're very they don't kind of stray away from like Pacino. Yeah, I mean, he's he's making his moves throughout. He gets moments in. Uh, he doesn't get to be too loud in Paterno, but it's certainly he gets a big couple big Pacino swings in You Don't yeah. Know Jack and Phil Spector. Uh, I mean, I think the highlight scene for me in You Don't Know Jack was the diner scene between him and Brenda Vaccaro. Oh, by far. Yeah, uh, I think that that was in both. I mean, uh, you know, and uh, a little fun fact, she plays Mary Alice. Schwoz in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Al's wife yeah, that he she, that he watches, uh, who loves westerns. <laughs> she was great in uh, great think, in this movie. Yeah, she was great, and it was also a very like um, it was like not a flat. It's like a very um, I feel like it's like a thankless kind of role almost, and she does a really good job with it. It's like a tough. She's able to bring a level of kind of emotional engagement to the proceedings that I think. You know, shockingly enough, even like, you know, freaking King, like John Goodman or uh, Queen, like Susan Sarandon. Yeah. Don't they they they're they're kind of doing their moves, too. Yeah. And it might be just because we don't see Brenda Vaccaro on screen as much as those three. That's my um, you know, and I, like I'm, I'm, I'm a Danny Houston fan. Uh, Danny's making some. Oh, he's great. He's yeah. making some choices in this one. Oh, I um, his hair alone. Yeah, no, <laughs> and like, and you kind of get, you kind of. I mean, obviously, it's a heavy topic, but boy, we were rolling toward an American Hustle wig movie if, if everyone followed in uh, Danny Houston's place oh, in that man. one. Yeah, God. I love, I love, a, I love a period wig movie. Um, but I, I really liked kind of the, you know, they, they really like threw you right into it. Mm-hmm. in this one without like they they kind of make some assumptions that you're pretty aware of Kevorkian's like interests yes. like I, I would have liked to see him like how he ended up in that like apartment in Detroit and a, a little bit more what he was like prior to the age of like 55 60 or something like that mm-hmm. um 
but I guess this movie's already 134 minutes long. So it's our it's the longest out of these three. Yeah. By quite a wide margin. Phil Spector, barely 90 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> wow. A delightful romp in like a delightful romp if you if you're a psycho. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're yeah, if you're a total lunatic. But um but yeah, I mean I think it's an interesting thing. And I think the um filmmakers are clearly sympathetic to Kevorkian mm-hmm. in this one. I think that they um they see what he's doing as, you know, um, obviously there's, there's two extreme poles here. It's either you're a murderer or, or you're very humane. Right. Um, and it did, you know, we're, we're not a political podcast. We're not going to get into, yeah. you know, yeah, we can any of the, that, the argument there, you know, teach yeah. your own on that. I mean, I know, I mean, I know that like, Dragon, so I, you know, I think we've all seen relatives who've been drug out, oh, maybe a little too long, or yeah. friends or something like that, and I, that's I, that's a very painful thing to watch. Oh, totally. I've had, yeah, I've had family members, close family members, uh, who've, you know, it's like, uh, you know, they suffer from cancer or this or that, and it's like, uh, it's rough. It's very rough. Or Alzheimer's. Yeah. That's another one where it's just brutal, like, it's brutal, brutal, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and I think that that actually kind of gets to an issue with this that they they do get into in the film is this idea of like, you know, we talked about it growing up in the 90s, you know, don't, 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 don't let Dr. Death, Jack of Oregon get you. It's like the difference between what he was trying to do and then how he ended up portrayed in the public kind of doesn't help his cause, you know, in, if you ask me. And I, and I don't think he, you know, he was very bad at being a celebrity it seems if you just watch his like interviews and kind of but he was just you know quirky guy clearly yeah well what's interesting is like you know he's you know i just i prove you know i'm not a kevorkian expert i just perused his wikipedia and like maybe like skimmed an article but like he was like a it was clearly a very intelligent guy like he like knew how to play the jazz flute, which is crazy. Or was it the clarinet? I think it was the clarinet. He was playing flute. Flute. That's it. Yeah. It was flute. He, was, he played the flute. Like spoke like four or five different languages. Uh, you know, graduated like you know from high school with like total honors. Like he was like a genius. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, uh, and uh, even like those little devices that he builds for the procedures. Um, are pretty ingenious little devices. Well, and he got, just got made them from like scraps and shit, like from like it wasn't like he was like getting like uh like manufactured like actual medical supplies or. Oh, anything. he was going to the flea market and buying. I mean, they showed in the movie. Yeah, they're buying. Yeah, and it's 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 crazy. But I think the thing was is he was such an esoteric, eccentric dude that it sort of like just being that. Yeah, it's like what you said yourself. Or like. He was probably not the right vessel for um, the stuff he was, you know, trying to, you know, provide, you know, for the the, 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 the services he was trying to provide. And they do a good job in the movie of making it clear, too, that, like, you know, they have a scene, um, Adam Driver in the scene he's in, he plays an individual who, like, um, lost the ability to use his legs, uh, lit himself on fire, uh, but Kevorkian is, like, you still have, like, you're depressed you're not like uh ready to yeah and mm-hmm. so like it's not like it's, you know he wasn't someone who was just like looking for 
whoever would take it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, you know, the interesting thing about him is because he wasn't out. He was so scientific mm-hmm. and so cerebral that I think um, and the fact that what do you how he looked at assisted death or assisted suicide um, in a very like scientific manner. Yeah. Um, you know, because the United States, in particular, in the United States, um, and this might be something we get to in a moment too. Uh, nobody can really handle death at all, no. and it's like brushed away and not talked about. That when somebody comes out like this and is so matter of fact about everything, um, that makes him seem ghoulish mm-hmm. to a certain, certainly, I certainly to I would imagine, you know, people who really are religious. Um, oh big time you know or you know because he just isn't that um, outwardly like cuddly I guess and you know but this is you know they kind of they do get to in this movie this is an ugly thing like all the people who die in this movie are really really suffering and in pain Mm -hmm. and I mean I think that the I, I believe it was I'm, I'm, I don't I it was um, I mean, I, I, I'm not certain I didn't look that hard on the background of Susan Sarandon's character. But, you know, spoiler to the audience, about two thirds way through the movie, she ends up with terminal cancer and she'd been working alongside Kevorkian. And it's such a um, I mean, yeah, again, I don't know. It's really not, but it works in like movie form of kind of showing just where they have to go with this thing and what people are able to do. And, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the, the kind of the, both the beauty and the sadness of it. I mean, to go out and not just be drug along and not be a shell or, you know, I mean, right. it, it's, it's, I, I don't know, you know, I've never been in that situation and, you know, Yikes. Yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> but like, yeah, but like, yeah, and to each their own. Like, yeah, we're not, yeah, our, we're not arbiters on this subject. But, but like, I think uh, the movie does show it, it, it obviously it is takes his side. It yeah. doesn't show him as a murderer. It shows him as a, he's what he's, the movie firmly believes what he's doing is humane. And I think, like, yeah, and I think they do like a pretty strong job. Like, I think they do a, a good job of making his case. Mm-hmm. And then Al Pacino does a great job of uh, demonstrating what we've said already, that like clinical aspect to his personality, that like that um, overly logical aspect to his personality that uh, uh, causes him to come off as cold sometimes mm-hmm. to his detriment. Like there's that one scene where, you know, they've run out of uh, the specific gas they need mm-hmm. and they have in the and So they, they com- comprise of this method. There's like a, there's a certain chemical they need uh, to, like, you know, perform the uh, the uh, you know the the task at hand, and uh, they need to save that chemical because they're not allowed to get it purchased anymore. And so, at one point, they, he has to like they basically put like a weird like plastic bag over. He's, the and he's in essence trying to recycle the gas. Yeah, and uh, and it's totally fair. Like on in in his like. You know, it makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. I get why he's doing it, and it's fair. But then you can also see John Goodman uh, in, like, probably the best acting he does. <laughs> yeah, whenever he shows, when he he kind of backs down and shows doubt 
in what's going on. Mm-hmm. Like he, he Goodman's character kind of acts like he's above it in a yeah. little bit in a way. But um, yeah, you're right. I think it's one of his, but it's probably Goodman's best scene in the movie. Definitely. Well, and it's like, yeah, because like it's also the one time in the movie where like he's just not playing a Goodman wacky best friend like mm-hmm. you know like remember when we both went down to those nurses and hung yeah. out and got laid like yeah his character is such he's a, horny yeah. he's oh, horny very horny yeah. yeah he's basically like this character could be the drug dealer from flight <laughs> like <laughs> well, i think he there i think that they might be like considering before they really get in before levinson just decided that these stories were too grim um a little humor a little lightness yeah. In, with the Goodman character. Um, but yeah, it, I mean, this is too, this is a very heavy thing. And I was just thinking, too, at the at the toward the end when he's defending himself in court and, you know, <sighs> essentially he's sacrificing himself mm-hmm. to the cause. I mean, you get then you get the other side of Al, the Serpico, the Lowell Bergman side yeah. of Al, the guy who believes so sincerely in the justness of what he's doing that he's willing to, you know, get shot in the face or, you know. Yeah, or get... like starve himself in jail. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and speaking of which, uh, interesting, uh, Kevorkian is interv- interviewed by Mike Wallace of 60 Minutes in the film, a little yeah. crossover with The Insider. I was like, I wanted <laughs> did, to... <laughs> did Lowell Bergman produce that piece? <laughs> Man, we could have had Pacino Ber- on Pacino. Yeah. Could have like, yeah, this could have been part of the Insider-verse. Yeah. Missed, missed opportunity. But I think, um, you know, to look at The Insider, another true story, but um, kind of Levinson certainly does not have the flash of Michael Mann. Like he is workmanlike, but the stories are good. Like he knows how to tell a movie story in a proper movie sense that you're like in it, you're following it. You are compelled by the characters. You're interested in where they end up. I mean, all the all the beats are certainly there but it you know out of the three movies i think this one really does kind of have the most tv movie vibes yes i think this one's very like uh although paterno does have like a couple moments that are super tv movie but i think this one on on a whole like i feel like you could show this movie if you like took got rid of a couple like uh actually i don't know i have a question for you do you think you could take this movie and like show it on a um like there's a way to show this do you, do you think like a, a a major network would show a movie about Kevorkian I don't even know yeah actually. they would they I think would? they yeah. I think they'd um I think they'd try to make it a little more salacious this is a little bit more textbook kind of journalistic in okay, a way so they, would, they would almost go the other way okay interesting yeah I but I mean obviously they'd have to cut like the like cursing or whatever but um, right 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 yeah but yeah I, I mean i think you could like i mean they made three movies about what's his name the long the long island lolita amy fisher and joy butafuco oh <laughs> I mean, like, yeah that's they, true that's true they at least like, at least back in the day i mean yeah, i know made, that they made they a don't... movie about the woody island like controversy like while it was happening yeah i mean they the things were a lot more like ripped from the headlines Mm -hmm. that kind of thing you know and law and order does that these days in the same vein but yeah i think i mean i think they could have and uh, you know this movie but i think this movie is classy and you know a big part of it is levin's barry levinson's a classy director Mm -hmm. and pacino's doing a, a, a a a very fine solid performance i don't think he i think he um 
my guess is that he really got a nice taste of kind of, Ooh, I'm getting a, a second wind of being able to play mega lead roles in the two thousands mm-hmm. post angels in America. But I don't think, I frankly don't think any of these three are as rich as Roy Cohn, but it also that has a lot to do with the writing of angels in America versus the writing of all of these yeah. two, you know, angels in America is a, you know, Pulitzer prize winning, you know, mega yeah. classic play. These are, you know, three biopics like, for it, lack of a better term, like angels in America. Like you could make an argument that it's like the most recent addition to the Western canon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, 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 yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I don't, I don't think that that's too, um, too out of bounds. Yeah. frankly in, in you know an argument yeah that and that i mean obviously our friend hamilton but you know I, oh, yeah. i'd love you'd love Old to see Al, you'd love to see al pacino do i mean we know he, we know <laughs> we know him from don Cucino. we know he can rap so. uh, <laughs> I, I uh i was doing karaoke don't, don't mind if i do Aaron Burr. <laughs> <laughs> the declaration of independence the declaration of independence <laughs> That's all he's saying. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I've, uh, I listened to a Hamilton song for the first time recently because I was at a, a karaoke party. Uh, it was Kevin Chu, friend of the podcast. It was mm. his uh, birthday and we, we did karaoke. It was like the first time I've done karaoke since, uh, you know, the pandemic. And uh, uh, what, like, what, what songs did you do? Oh, man. I did... Uh, what embarrassing songs did I do? I did uh, You Get What You Give, uh, famously uh, Joe Biden's uh, famous. Oh. Is it Hunter Biden's favorite song? No, it's the uh, Bo by R.I.P. Bo's, yeah. R.I.P. Yeah. Bo. Uh, it was Bo's favorite song, You Get What You Give. See, Al Pacino, if he was a handful of years younger, could have rocked either. We could, uh, he could, if he was younger, he would have knocked Hunter out of the park in a hunter biopic oh my god um but i think he could play joe i think he played joe today a joe <laughs> biden oh my god you don't know joe yeah you don't know joe jack we got it they gotta do yeah. it. barry levinson come on it's <laughs> right there it's it's hanging that's that's low hanging fruit that low hanging fruit it's, it's there do it's, it it's so ripe oh god yeah. Al, Al Pacino as Joe Biden would be so good that would be such a fun that'd be a lot of fun I would enjoy that does not does not have the height but it's okay it's movie it's called movie magic people it's fine yeah if you can uh, if you can make uh, if you can get you give uh, give Al Pacino those crazy uh, platform shoes Robert mm-hmm. De Niro wore on the Irishman you're good mm-hmm. And he could stomp people's heads just like uh, Robert De Niro did in the Irishman. Yeah, really unrealistically. Yeah. Just like a oh man. Uh, I just but thought... I was going to ask if he did a Phil Spector number one hit oh, at the God. at karaoke. <laughs> Maybe inadvertently. Uh, yeah, uh, I, we'll we'll get to yeah the fact that he does have many many great songs. <laughs> but um, <laughs> did, did Phil Spector? Yeah, did Phil Spector uh, produce the Nightmare Before Christmas? I did like the Oogie Boogies. Maybe Phil Spector is a secret. Uh, <laughs> that was a secret uh, in the back, just screaming at Danny Elfman like a madman. That's not how a pumpkin would sing. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm gonna not... shoot you. I'm gonna shoot shoot the ceiling out. Oh, that's all. This. I'm sorry. We should. This is not supposed to goose. The guy murdered somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah, sorry. What an, what an evil freak. Oh, <laughs> look, hey, look, we hate that man. It's all good. We'll get there in a moment, but yeah. that's that's great that you guys got a chance to go out and do some karaoke. Yeah, the yoke. That's yeah. that's fun. That's yeah. great. Max karaoke, wonderful. Um, but yeah, I think this movie is, you know, it's good. It is, yeah, it doesn't really swing in the same yeah. way that like a you know the insider does or some of these like way. you know. But I don't think you know even looking at Barry Levinson's, um, you know, I mean. You know, we're talking about the guy who did Rain Man and Good Morning Vietnam. Right. And, you know, uh, even back to Diner. These are like classy, well-told stories in a solid, in a solid workmanlike sense. I mean, and the kind of guy who, um, you know, like our good friend Martin Brest, not as idiosyncratic as Martin Brest, but, mm-hmm. um, but the same vein of like once you, once they arrived at like 2003, um, the style of movies that they made weren't really getting made. And I think Levinson's pivot into making these movies for HBO was kind of his only option to continue to make kind of these classy adult movies. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because he was able to pivot to uh, he also did The Wizard of Lies, the Robert De Niro. Miniseries. Oh, he did that. I did not know he did that one. Yeah, too. which is like wow. it was, I was so curious because like um, the only reason I looked this up was because I was like, was Al Pacino in The Wizard of Lies? Maybe we should do a thing. But then it was like, oh, it's Robert De Niro. It's De Niro, but, uh, who's playing Madoff, who yeah. is a who is a who is another character in this Rogues Gallery, without a doubt. Oh yeah, this is like what a what a what a weird Rushmore we have. Madoff. Well, I mean, I, I I do feel like all of these movies um, kind of are indicators of what came to the surface just a few years later around right around 2016 of kind of the corrupt rotten soul of the post-war american man Mm -hmm. and kind of the boomer gone to seed the you know i mean just all of these elements of like taking when you are like i was talking with a friend the other day about how many people we know's parents um, during the quarantine took a real strange turn to the the right when they were not right wingers before. I mean, certainly there are people who were long-term right wingers who just kind of continued down the trail, Mm -hmm. but uh, how many people we know who even three or four years ago wouldn't have dared like vote for Trump who are now like, you know, anti-vaxxers and full of conspiracy and all and all that kind of thing. And I I, I have this like abiding theory that like once these once this old generation that has been so in charge of everything mm-hmm. has discovered a couple of things. They are no longer cool and they are going to die. Yeah. And um that is a weight that many of them seem to <laughs> break and fold under the uh under that spell and yeah. i think i think that there is an element of that in these characters bernie madoff um even all the way back to roy Cohn, who died a long time ago um and of this idea of these 
people who kind of do things the American way, but the question is, is the American way yeah. more morally decently human? Is it humane at all? Man, yeah. It is like, yeah, because it does have this vibe of like, yeah, watching these movies, uh, you get the feeling, yeah, you know, with you, you don't know Jack, it's like you're popping the, the blister. And then with Phil Spector and Paterno, you're watching the pus just like ooze out. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Then, yeah, and Jack, I mean, Jack Kevorkian's a difficult guy, difficult guy to get, but he did seem to believe in something other than himself. Yes, well, and which I... the same cannot maybe be said about uh, certainly not Phil Spector and Joe Paterno to extent too. I yeah. think I think Phil Spector was corrupted by him. So I think Joe Paterno was corrupted by uh, a weird ce- celebrity worshiping society. Oh, man. Yeah, I have so much to say about like I had some yet thought, but like uh, and oh, I we think- should reveal to the audience too. you watch them in backwards chronological order while I watch them in chronological order. But we both watched them in a very, very short window of time, which may have like really like rotted our heads for all we know oh, oh totally it is like it's so funny like i think there was one point and this could have just been like the madness of the moment i might i don't know if i would i don't know if i i would say this uh now but i think at one point i was like uh i was watching like paterno and it was so grim uh i think it was partially because i was like watching it late at night too and just like i was like fuck this is depressing i was like even though like Geely is like infinitely a worse movie. Even though Geely is like a hundred percent, like in some ways Geely represents. In some ways Geely represents like moral rot. <laughs> like, well, it represents like a moral art within the world of cinema and yeah. how to construct cinema. Uh, these rec- these Ooh. have more of a nation feeling. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it was like, the, I think, and I think part of it too is like, yeah, starting with Paterno is the wrong way to, because it's like, I just, I dumb, I dived into the deep, deep end of the pool, and the deep end of the pool is like actually a black hole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I just feel like, yeah, just like, yeah, being stuck in the Paterno's living room as the guy from all the J.J. Abrams shows. Oh, God. Just. Yeah. Like he's the only one who's like as like, like Joe's he- family slowly realizes just the gravity of everything that's happening and how upsetting it is to all of them. <laughs> oh, we'll get to it in a sec. It's so oh, God. Yes. I mean, the, the text messages I was sending to Patrick were genuinely like <laughs> full of despair. <laughs> oh yeah, it's like yeah, you're having like uh, this guy who I can only describe him as gamer Tony Soprano. Like if Tony Soprano was a gamer. Like, like that's like his whole vibe. It's just like, yeah, breaking down how like the Paterno legacy is lo- ruined. Yeah, just very, yeah, super soul crushing. At least like, the one thing I'll say about You Don't Know Jack that's interesting that differentiates itself from the, the next two films is that um, you're seeing the moral rot, but at least like the moral rot isn't necessarily with the protagonist. You can make an argument yes. that like, you can make an argument that the protagonist, you know, is definitely like idiosyncratic uh has issues like the yeah he's an imperfect man he's 100 percent imperfect man but like uh it's at least he is like it's very clear 
that like it's like the world around him even like the like the people that are ostensibly is like because like that that lawyer who was like a good i guess the like, second though help. danny houston goes i'm running for governor it's like yeah uh-oh uh-oh that, <laughs> we're in trouble that was like so poised that's like when i had like a little bit of like soul death i was like the yeah the, uh, that was like oh man this sucks I know, yeah, and I'm like, now with that hair, man, you're not going to win governor of uh, Michigan. Uh, but, yeah, yeah I, like I mean, <laughs> overall, you know, we'll move on to the next film in just a moment here, but I, I think this is a this is a fine movie. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. you know, if you, I wouldn't, certainly wouldn't put it first among movie-wise, not, I mean, we'll get to perform, rating performance in a bit, but um, mm-hmm. movie-wise, I wouldn't put it with many of the ones we had in our 16 the uh, those are just far more like interesting pieces of cinema but yeah uh, for a good story and kind of a fuller story in Kevorkian because I'm sure many of our listeners are of the same age as us kind of growing up with Dr. Death jokes and stuff like that it is it is very fascinating to know a little bit more about the story despite the fact you know the title says it you don't know Jack I don't think we end up really knowing Jack by the end of this thing very well either. And I, I think that's part of the way this story is being told, but I think it's kind of leaves you at a distance maybe. Yeah. I mean, uh, I was just surprised. It wasn't about, I was just, I was watching it and like an hour in, I was like, wait, is this really about the, the, the game from the Jackbox? Yeah. But no, it no, was not. No, it, it was, was not. I was like, I was like, this. The origins of this game is are very grim. Yeah. <laughs> how did the, how did how did a trivia game come from this? Yeah. Uh, 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 no, nah, okay, I needed to not joke, but like, uh, you know, it's a <laughs> good. I mean, like Al Pacino is. Uh, it's. I would say that like he's playing like I think like this is like the most he plays a because like he has a his voice is interesting. It's very. It almost sounds like he's Canadian sometimes. Yeah, he. I mean, he's. I mean, leave it to Al Pacino, though, to. Oh, he's going for it. Oh, he's in very all, good. In all of these things. Like, the, he he just, like, a lot of his peers, you know, you mm-hmm. can talk about how they kind of sleepwalk through things for checks and stuff like that. Pacino maintains his weird freak flag no matter what the situation. Oh, totally. And God bless him for it. Um, you know, and obviously we said he won a bunch of awards for this so it went well um so well in fact that three years later in 2013 uh they (laughs) took another swing at it this time barry levinson producing in a film written and directed by david mamet entitled phil Spector, uh starring al pacino helen mirren jeffrey tambor chuatel as you for thank you who's great i wish i could say his name better and um Boy, talk about a tease there, fourth billing. We'll get to that. Um, yeah. <laughs> For real. For uh, real. So this movie opens with perhaps one of the most peculiar little cards of information. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to read it. This is a work of fiction. It's not based on a true story. It is a drama inspired by actual persons on a trial, but it is neither an attempt to depict the actual persons nor to comment upon the trial or its outcome. Strange. Very strange. Yeah. It feels like, uh, yeah, it's like you might as well put the, the jackass. Uh, 
like it's very just has that vibe of like yeah someone at hbo watched this and was immediately like put something up quickly yeah i who knows what kind of conversations they had so this is 2013 david mamet this is not 1970s yeah or 1980s or even 1990s david mamet this is he's you know he's gone full he was one. He was a post nine eleven guy who went full right wing and kind of. Yep. But he and Pacino have had a fruitful, um, a collaboration. Who knows, like how much they actually collaborate? But um, right. Pacino was in American Buffalo in the eighties. He played Teach. Um, of course, Dusty Hoffman got to play him in the movie. But um, he did the uh, Glengarry Glenn Ross film. Uh, where he played Ricky, Ricky Roma. Huh? And then he also, uh, Pacino played uh, in Glengarry Glenn Ross on stage, playing Shelley Levine in that one. And then they did a play together a few years ago called China Doll, which was uniformly reviled. Oh, uh, no. Just truly oh. described as dire in all, including Pacino's performance, but it didn't help with Mammoth's play and kind of looking at Mammoth's. Um, more recent track record things are yeah you know he's he i he's he, he's he's too strong of an artist to discount at this stage but he's been a little odd uh for about 20 years yeah <laughs> um, i think like yeah like 9 11 broke him in a weird way yeah, I, I think so, too. And he was already, I mean, on the verge, you know, his plays are already, even the most celebrated ones, are rough. They are rough yeah. plays. I mean, yeah. I, I, I tend to, I do like his plays. I read uh, American Buffalo, like, once a year. Just kind of, I, I, I like it a lot. And you can nice. read it in a, and you can read it in a few hours. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's not for everybody. He's He's rough. His yeah. his uh, ideas of men and women are not probably always. probably not for us to break down for someone else to break down. Oh, I was going to mention too. He's apparently writing a play about Harvey Weinstein. So oh, that's going to be good. I can't wait for. Uh, oh Ooh. boy, uh, yeah, uh, uh, kill me. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you yeah. know you, I mean, yeah we were i joked with patrick that my guess is that david mamet has some pretty strong feelings about cancel culture and uh i don't really want to know him i yeah. don't want to, i'm not i interested. don't either i like i hope like you know god bless him there is like a 50 50 chance he has a triggered much bumper sticker yeah yeah I mean, <laughs> on his, yeah uh, and you know he's gone full trump and all that kind of stuff and, oh man i didn't even know that That's, yeah oof, I mean, woof. yeah it is what you know yeah, it's that's a that's a shame. He's brain ruined. It's okay. Yeah, it happens. Um, people it get happens. brain ruined. Yeah, it, people... we were just talking about it. It's and he's of the same that same generation as all as all these other men, these other men of power and skill and uh, success. Yeah, it's um, like him just hanging out with Robert Davi and uh, Nick Cersei. You know, if you're gonna put a cell phone on your dashboard and rant about Nancy Pelosi, you know, it happens to it happens to a lot of these guys. I would love. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't love it. It'd be really depressing and sad. But I, I definitely would watch at least one of those videos, like of him like, doing a like in a truck. 
Like Dean Martin quietly playing in the background. <laughs> he would play Dean. Yeah. yeah. Oh, but, you know, I mean, but I like I watched David Mamet's masterclass mm-hmm. a few like two years ago. And he's he's wild. I mean, he's a really like obviously very intelligent, interesting guy. Yeah. Um, but you have to like again, I mean, I guess it comes down to a lot of these is like, especially in the next film, like hero worship is a dangerous game. And these are human beings, they are capable of pretty gross behaviors and you know you can you know phil specter who we're talking about here is um you know one of the key producers in the history of popular music um you know name the specter sound the wall of sound uh i mean watch the scorsese movie most of them are jam-packed with songs phil specter had something to do with uh every yeah everything from be my baby to imagine you know down the line like he had a hand in uh what he thoroughly brilliant in the world of music um but seemingly um (sighs) troubled in every other aspect of life yeah um and you know one thing i really dig about this movie is kind of when she goes to his house and the fun house prison quality of his house it's such a great like the set as a character kind of moment and yeah. waiting to see him. And he's like, he's like fucking Dracula or something, you oh, know, it's like a Scooby-Doo ass Luigi's mansion style house. It is, it is totally like you half expect like one of the paintings to have the eyes cut out and Spectre is like fucking, or at least at like haunted mansion kind of like, Oh, uh, the painting is a ghost. You know, oh, yeah, no, like paint, yeah, painting comes out. Yeah. You know, it's a, a Slimers and, you know, yeah. The, the well, I mean, he, he bought a couple Slimers. They're in his Slimer <laughs> room. Cause all of his rooms are like themed. He's got like oh, a circus God. room. He's got the music room. And yeah, um, I, I, I like when I was watching it, I sadly was like, man, I wish I had like more of an interior design taste. <laughs> it was kind of my, like, I was like, this, this is like neat stuff that he has, certainly. Yeah. Oh, like, totally. I'd say it's like, yeah, it's Winchester Mansion, you know? Like, yeah. It'd be, it'd be, a, it'd be a, a, maybe, I guess it's like too cursed to be fun to tour. Yeah, I know. No, yeah. you know, no. I mean, all of it's been auctioned off at the oh, that's true. At this I, point, I, too. I hope someone got that uh, suit of armor. That was fun. You know, we tried, you know, a little digression here. Jen and I tried when, um, the Burt Reynolds estate went up. We tried to get some stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. We really wanted Burt's stuff, like some Burt stuff. Uh, we tried to get, I tried to get his personal white lightning poster, which I was willing to pay quite a bit of money for. Mm. Um, Cause I love white lightning. And I was like, Oh, it's Burt's copy. Uh, the, the one of the big money ones was he had a poster of unforgiven the Eastwood movie, <gasps> but it was signed from Eastwood to him. Wow. Which was which is very groovy, uh, but we there was this set of eight by tens, one with Bert holding a puppy, and the other with Bert holding a kitten, <laughs> and those were those were what Jen wanted really badly. <laughs> those are pretty good. Yeah, we unfortunately didn't get any of it. I but I mean, yeah. you know, God bless Bert, he rules. Oh, uh, but yeah, little digression there. But we should you know the story of this movie because as we all know, it's a drama inspired by actual persons. So in essence, uh, Phil Spector, you know, famous music producer is been um, accused of murdering a woman at his mansion. 
Yes. Uh, the evidence seems pretty damning yeah, in, against him. Yeah. Um, and, you know, this is kind of one of the real, in my opinion, a little touchy spots of this movie is that despite the fact that if you've read the story or even hear it from Jeffrey Tambor explaining it to Helen Mirren in this, um, it seems pretty clear. Yeah. That, but it doesn't seem so clear to David Mamet, no, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. It could be. Uh, it might be one of those things like you wonder, like how much uh, David Mamet, like, you know, studied this and was like, this guy who made all my music, he can't be that bad. I don't know. It's very it's weird it's a weird and then where maybe he sees him because like the thing too is like you know david mamet i feel like you know he's like a super intelligent like i feel like <laughs> he probably sees a little bit of himself inspector maybe i could yeah, be totally I th- wrong i think so and i think he see yeah misunderstood genius who's mm-hmm. being accused by all of these libs oh, uh man. you know of um a crime against a woman who, you know, and I, there's cl- very clear misogyny there that we don't need to like, um, yeah, you know, yeah, <laughs> unpack. Like, I mean, you get it. You if you know Mamet, even yeah. his better works, that's always kind of on the on the edge. Yeah. So basically, like the case is in trouble. Uh, Jeffrey Tambor is like his celebrity lawyer, who I kind of love the fact he's like. He's taking the money, but he's kind of like one foot out the door at all times. He does not want to deal with the case in the slightest. Oh, yeah. So he brings in um, this woman, a defense attorney named Linda Kenny Baden, um, who's a real person who do yourself a favor, folks, check out her Wikipedia to see who she's defended in her life. <laughs> um, oh, and uh, T- Tambor's character, Bruce Cutler, is famous for um, getting gaudy. Oh, out of ju- getting yeah. got you know the name the boroughs do it you know you got bronx you got queens yeah staten island Staten island natural you know you you yeah. get the, you you know how the yeah. gaudy story goes long um, island yeah <laughs> manhattan manhattan uh, philadelphia <laughs> boston boston atlanta <laughs> fort lauderdale you know fort those lauderdale. you know the boroughs spain <laughs> antarctica like antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> the Arrakis, the planet with Dune from Dune. <laughs> the Dune planet. You got it. <laughs> yeah, the fifth borough. You can picture Gotti like, I used to run this spice game. <laughs> uh, oh, man, I wish. Uh, yeah, before the Arrakis family became in charge of Dune, uh, it was the Gotties. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just imagining Al Pacino. No, no, not Al Pacino. Imagining John Travolta hovering around like Baron Harkonnen. Pretty good. Oh man! Yeah, Make, do a Dune with Al Pacino and John Travolta, please. Do do a do a, you know, this one we're gonna see it. But they could have made it more fun. It doesn't look fun. It does not look fun. I agree with you. It should be sillier. Yeah, Dune, the Dune the, the, the the Lynch one is silly. Yeah. So give it that. Yeah. Um. So they bring in uh, Lindy Kenny Baden to kind of consult. It seems at first, but she weirdly um gets into it. And really, like, uh, digs in on the case. Uh, one important thing to note is that she is walking around with, like, double pneumonia. 
the entire movie. Yeah. And she's constantly taking down all sorts of medications, which kind of gets back to the overall theme of the sick illness and rot of everything that oh, we're yeah. talking about tonight. <laughs> it, it legit feels like, yeah, like it's like Phil Spector exudes like radiation. Yeah. Like, yeah, like being around him is like toxic. And so it, it takes a long time to actually Helen Mirren, who I would say is actually the lead of this movie, not mm-hmm. Al Pacino, um, takes her a long time to finally get to. Oh, and mind you, also, when I say a long time, this movie is only 92 minutes long and that includes the credits. Um, it takes her forever to get to Spectre's place. And we're dying because we know Pacino's going to be wearing wild wigs and probably doing some stuff. Oh, yeah. he does. Don't worry. <laughs> Don't worry. Though, Don't folks. worry. The wigs he are does. wild. Yep. The wigs are wild. His reveal of the gigantic afro. Oh, my God. <laughs> Insane. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, love how it, like it isn't played funny. It's played as like sick. horror. It's yeah, like, it's yeah. horror. It's yeah. like Helen Mirren sees it. And it's it's like it's like the one time in the movie where like Helen Mirren's character is like, oh no, I did something right. I met Mam- the wrong horse. <laughs> Mamet is so good at drama that he like strings it out for two or three minutes of her waiting by the elevator, and she's like, Phil's coming, Phil's coming, and you're like, oh no, something's up. Because yeah. there were like something weird, and he you know walks off this elevator wearing a gigantic oh. fake afro to go on the stand, and even her who's been like not certain about his guilt. And I think one of the things about this movie in general is Mammoth's um, does not like the idea of a uh, trial by the public. Yeah, like he doesn't like people being declared guilty by the press or that kind of thing. He he, and I think that's one of the big things he's trying to present in this movie. That is Um, like an interesting through line through all three of these films is just like a total like lack of faith in like the public. Um, Like anytime there's like a group of people, it's never good. Yeah. And the the one reporter or press member who's played in any sort of good light is the cub reporter who isn't really employed yet. Who's like, hasn't been corrupted essentially. Yeah. Hasn't been ruined. And, um, and we will get to her in a moment because she's an important character to talk about in uh, the next film. Um, But I wanted to, but this, this, this film is very interesting because, you know, Mamet, you know, he wrote the verdict. He wrote the untouchables. These are very, these are cinema films. Mm -hmm. This, this is a play. If you ask me. Yeah. Like the way it's like they put him on a set and they kind of let him go. Pacino gets to do wild monologues about it. You know, you name it. it it's in there. Um, and yeah. And it feels very theatrical, the entire thing. And to the point where it's like, are they ever going to go to court? And spoiler, um, there's no real court scenes in this nah, movie, which is kind of crazy. It's very uh, I was kind of expecting a courtroom drama. I don't know about you. I was, yeah, I was totally expecting, like, you know, like, you know, because, uh, like, yeah, you don't know Jack has, like, you know, more scene. scenes than, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's what makes this movie, this one, a little bit more intriguing, because this one's, I think this is the friskiest of the three. It's the most playful, inter- obviously, you know, Mammoth's trying a few more things than just trying to present here's a salacious story that's ripped from the headlines. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think though, it feels like at the end of the day, a little slight, you know, it's 92 minute runtime. It doesn't really yeah. like it ends kind of with a sigh rather than a gasp at the end of the film. Yeah. I do want to give a big shout out though. I really liked John Prucello. Yeah, he was great. Uh, who many of you will know from the film or from the show Barry uh, was where I remembered him from. He's one of the cops investigating Bill Hader. Uh, we should also give a shout out. Uh, the judge is played by James Tolkien from Dick Tracy and Serpico. And of course, the principal from Back to the Future. Wow. And we, we, all, we love him. We love, you know, we love yeah, Tolkien. Love him. We're big Tolkien heads. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I think this, this one, you know, now that we're talking about when I was watching it, I was like, this is clearly the weakest out of the three of them. Mm-hmm. But now that we're talking about it and kind of I'm thinking about kind of the just kind of oddness mm-hmm. of it. I'm a little more intrigued by it in kind of thinking back on this film. There are definitely like, um, I don't know, like I did like, I think I like this movie a little more than a. Uh, then you don't know Jack. Uh, I think like the because I think like there are just some some like truly um, bizarre, interesting. Like I like I I love the part where he's having to re to to rehearse the. Uh... Yeah, let's let's talk about that real quick. So um, they want to they they Helen Mirren realizes that the only real move they have in their playbook is to put him on the stand, but everyone agrees that he's such a wild card that uh, putting him on the stand could also um absolutely doom him yeah and so they decide to do a um rehearsal basically mm-hmm. of what it would be like and this is where um the great chuatel is your oh, shit <laughs> that's hard it's a hard name i'm sorry i'm i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm a fan I'm a big fan I... too as you four yeah uh enters the for his one scene in the entire movie where he uh, plays the prosecuting, the mock prosecuting attorney. Right. I don't believe he even, he doesn't even have a character name. He's just called mock prosecutor. And basically he, though he's brought in because you need an actor of his power and strength to basically, you know, to get in Pacino's face. Mm -hmm. And it says it is a spectacular scene. It actually is. Yeah. It rules. And it kind of like, yeah, it almost has like a, I mean, it's not like this at all, but it all—it uh, almost had like it kind of reminded me a little, just just the tiniest bit of act of killing, mm. just like that sense of like where you're like recreating, you know, they're not recreating the moments where he did his horrible actions, but just like that like moment where like someone like keeps like bringing up your sins to your face over and over again, and mm. how that will like ultimately break you. Like I think Al Pacino like really, and, and then Pacino gets to really sore when he does break. Yeah. And, and then the amazing part where he thanks everybody for a great rehearsal. Oh God. Yeah. That part's nuts. Uh, but I think this goes to show like kind of what we're getting at when we're introducing David Mamet is that you can't really discount him because he is capable of a scene mm-hmm. like this, a real powerhouse scene of drama. Mm-hmm. And that's why despite his wackiness and his, obvious flaws he's going to continue to be you know in the same vein that you know phil specter was still occasionally dropping in to produce records in the 2000s wow despite the fact he pulled a gun on the fucking ramones in the 80s 
I mean, a, like, yeah, he no, just a totally troubled freak. And the album he produced for the Ramones was terrific. <laughs> you know, I mean, like, he's yeah. like he's talented. That's the thing, and you know, and it shows you like you know for like the longest time, like you know we kind of like assumed that like you know uh, you know we would let so much slide just because like oh they're eccentric oh they're talented and uh, I guess like well, I mean, these... for, for so many of these people too I mean that story about him pulling the gun on the Ramones that was like known well before oh 100% um, he you know committed murder and you know I'll, I'll say it, I think I think he did commit murder <laughs> um, you oh, know yeah, that's no, my he's... impression here oh yeah that's like hey the Academy Academy thinks yeah. that Phil Spector is a damn freak you deserve to you know rest in piss that's our kind yeah, of hot I mean take, yeah. yeah I mean you know and died of COVID complications i mean oh wow and to I bring mean, it to bring it all back home <laughs> jesus, jesus christ, christ what a world man I mean, yeah i mean i guess karma exists that's good yeah sort but of. it's just not really i don't know I, who knows it's, i mean it's, it's fucked you know, up what is karma when you're an 82 year old man dying of covid in jail Ugh, i mean yeah that's it's it's, it's, it's yeah, a rough way to go I mean, again going back to kevorkian i mean <laughs> no matter who you are you're yeah, he deserves this, some this, dignity. Well, yeah. they, but I well also this shit ain't pretty. He's just not gonna. Uh, like, yeah. You know I mean, and again, I wait till wait till we talk about the next one. <laughs> Man, this is just like <laughs> these are these are grim. I mean, you know, we've got and we're. You know, I can help but think about uh, the kind of the looming one that I'm really excited for us to talk about in the next few weeks is the Irishman. Yeah. yeah oh, overall, that's... this because some more themes. But the Irishman does it in um, with panache. Yeah, it, you know, real, real panache, and uses cinema to its fullest, fullest yeah. power to pull it off. Um, I think, yeah, I think this is an interesting, you know, to use a Don uh, catchphrase here. Um, interesting curio. Yeah, this Phil Spector. I would put it in the Don's curios. Stamps.com um, curio of the week. Curio of the week. It's it's a strange movie. It's. It's a probably an irresponsible movie. Yeah. Um, Although, like, I think, like, I will say that uh, to the movies, uh, maybe not to its credit, but, like, I can't think of a person that would go in watching this movie and come out thinking, oh, yeah, Phil Spector didn't do it. I feel like... That's true as well, yeah. yeah. And I think, like, I think that that's, a, that, you know, that might be the... That's an interesting thing, because then it kind of gets to the end of this movie, how it ends with just kind of a yeah oh she wasn't there and then he went to jail defeated exile because she was sick yeah. he literally made her sick <laughs> you know? yeah and it like it ends in that awful boardroom that they put together with the bizarre posters of phil Spector all over it oh, um man. it's it's a it's an odd one like again though you know to get back to what we were saying but you don't know jack these are interesting these are much more interesting movies than a run-of-the-mill tv movie that you'd kind of Mm-hmm. think and definitely as you know an odd an odd one I, i'm kind of surprised that hbo didn't try and take a firmer hand in telling a more straightforward story here but mm. you know good on them i guess for letting a freak be a freak yeah <laughs> this is like like evil wonka just man, just mm-hmm. very, very like Willy Wonka. Like if Willy Wonka yeah. was the devil. Like, yeah. Um, I remember when this movie was like kind of in the process 
you know, when Pacino got announced, it was going to be very hard for this to be a kind of dour, you don't know Jack kind of movie. Right. Simply because we all knew, like, oh, Spectre was this, like, eccentric who showed up to court in these insane wigs and you're like "Uh oh ow (laughs) but like that's this this could this could be a green light for al to go to crazy town and you know in a sense he does but i think he i think he's um again though what makes al so good is he finds a point of view in these kind of wild characters and phil specter believes everything he says in this movie like yes. he's not played at a surface level for laughs or what a freak or um mm-hmm. or what a psycho or something like that. Like you're presented him as a character, which is, you know, again, time and time again, what we like about our our Meryl Streeps and our Al Pacinos. Yeah. Is that they always take it from a I'm gonna look at this character from a grounded place. I'm not gonna cast judgment. I'm gonna play them, you know, the way they need to be played. Um I don't think, you know, I think the part for Mirren could have had a little bit more juice to it. I don't know. She, yeah. She's too good. She's too good not to get some bigger moments. But, you know, well, she was she was like had the sniffles the entire time. Yeah. Well, what was interesting, too, was she was like a last minute casting choice. That's right. That's right. We had um, who was the uh, it oh, was it was Bette Midler. Midler. Yeah. It was Bette Midler was and she got suffered a back injury. And according to Helen Mirren had to be carried off the set. Oh, man. And um, I guess that um, Mamet said that the loss of Midler put the completion of the film in jeopardy and it could have led to the loss of Pacino and locations and sets. And that um, basically Mirren's willingness to take on the role in short notice saved it. That is such a wild because like that Midler is such a uh, I just I know her primarily from like her comedic performances. Mm -hmm. I don't i just i'd be so curious to see what her take on that character who knows if the movie would have been a little more heightened um it feels like that interesting uh interesting uh curio here too is that um specter stated that he had a lifelong dream that his favorite actor al pacino one day would portray him in a film about his life and career oh wow uh yeah yeah, I mean, it <laughs> happened. Yeah. Eerie. Oh, and one other thing to note is that the character, the person that Helen Marin plays, um, was a main consultant on the film. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, so that might, you know, lead to some of the ideas presented on the, in the film. I mean, the film is wildly like not a true story. Yeah. Other than the basics of Phil Spector was this lunatic who killed a woman. You know what this movie almost reminds me of is um, what is that movie that Jeremy Irons won the Oscar for? Mm. Reversal of Fortune. It is yes. huge reversal of fortune vibes from this film. The Jeremy Irons and Academy Academy favorite from, of course, the uh, French Lieutenant's Woman. Oh, man. Yeah. What a good a, actor. a movie I'm like. I've been thinking about that movie lately. I'm like, I kind of want to watch it again. I want to see how, I want to like revisit that one. It's a in cool partic- fucking movie. In particular of the street films that we watched. That's the one that I've been thinking of. I've, I have rewatched uh, Defending Your Life oh. since, the, since the street season and loved it. I watched it with my parents when they were here. We all enjoyed it. Perfect movie. Yeah. Oh, it's, it really, it really is. Yeah. Just everything works in it. I love that film. So yeah. And folks, if you're going to watch these three movies, watch defending your life right after 
Um, cause it might make you, it will make you feel a little bit better about existence. Cause these are grim, these are grim movies. Yep. And you know, I mean, oh, and we should note, um, this one premiered on, uh, March 24th, 2013. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was nominated for 11 primetime Emmy awards, uh, original outstanding miniseries, lead actor, lead actress, directing and writing, um, didn't didn't win uh nominated for two ggs actor and actress um and uh two screen actors guild awards and helen mirren won for that one uh but yeah i think this one was not as i think due to its kind of more idiosyncratic nature uh the mammoth's kind of difficult reputation and the fact that it's just a little yeah it 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 uh, it doesn't really um it doesn't like ring as like classy as you don't know jack yeah which led to not many you know getting the requisite nominations because if you get al pacino in a tv movie dude's getting nominated <laughs> so oh totally um yeah like and then, like i said i think i texted uh, don this like i feel like this movie had the most uh I would say this movie, like, out of all the things you've covered on the podcast, this one has the most, uh, shares the most DNA with Al Pacino's uh, directorial works. It has, like, the vibe of Chinese coffee or, uh, um, you know, just like one of, yeah, one of the, or not, not looking for Richard, but like, yeah. Local like, singing man, but all, yeah. at the same time, the Richard character in Looking for Richard fits the bill with a lot of the gentlemen he plays in these yeah, films if you, these because i think he's always on the hunt for a shakespearean tragic type character and you know which has led to everything from you know panic in needle park through the irishman basic you know in what yeah. he's done you know in the same vein that meryl streep is kind of an auteur of her career al when he isn't you know sometimes he's had to work for some more cash or what have you but um he, he, his interests and the kind of people he's drawn to mm-hmm. there is a through line from panic all the way to irishman i'd say yes i 100 percent agree with you and it's like well and it's like um yeah certain uh roles could be so easily paired with each other to the point where it could feel like certain performances like you can almost say that like you don't know jack is almost an extension of serpico or something like, you know like you could you could just, yeah. yeah yeah i mean his three kinds of guys there's the um morally unbending kind of hero moral yeah. hero character there's the um corrupted by power man and yep. then there is the loser who wants the power but can't get it mm. wow all three of those yeah we have all three of them on uh, all the three pacino archetypes yeah the, and i think that's why we've had a lot of guests who've been like I didn't really check it out. All these movies kind of these gangster movies felt kind of samesy and that kind of thing. Cause he is kind of mining mm. a certain area of <sighs> failed masculinity Yes, because even his moralistic characters, they're all like fired or shot in the face or go to jail. I mean, yeah. like his good guys don't necessarily win either. I mean, Serpico and his dog have to go out to Switzerland. And yeah. Serpico is clearly, I think, probably his greatest good guy character. 
Yeah, it is just like, yeah, the tragedy of uh, the gender boomer generation is sort of like his like uh, bread and butter. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's yeah, if you want an example of, you know, born in 1940, you know, kind of the history of that era and those those times and what happened to that kind of guy that he's played over and over again. I mean, in, in different in those in those kind of variations, but, you know, it's. It's very clear he's mining something pretty interesting if you look at it on a bigger picture kind of way. In the same vein that I think Meryl Streep has kind of mined the, you know, overall uh, female experience. Yeah, 100%. Well, it's like a very specific female experience that Meryl Streep has mined, too. Yeah, yeah. But I think it's, you know, you know, I think it's it's kind of neat. And I'm kind of I'm definitely looking forward to you know future seasons of our show to see if some of these other actors we've pitched around for seasons have the same kind of um through line yeah i would be yeah especially like whoever like um we have we picked someone uh uh you know just a spoiler alert uh we're not gonna say it not gonna, we're say, not gonna it. say who this person is but we we do have season three pretty sealed up in yeah. terms of what we're gonna do Unless, yeah, unless something wild happens in the next, you know, few weeks, uh, I doubt we're going to change course. And, uh, yeah, it'd be, it, I can't wait to, yeah, especially, just, yeah, for the future, yeah, because, like, you know, one day we're going to do Cage, one day we might do, like, Whoopi, like, we have all these, uh, we've had all the, we've thrown names all over the place. Yeah, I mean, and we, we even talked about a little with Jack and Jill last week, kind of the Sandler archetype, Oh, oh too. man, yeah, it's, there's, like, yeah, it, it is, like, this, yeah, it's, like, our, it's, like, a weird pantheon all these big actors that I can't wait. Like, it's like Al Pacino's like the God of losers. Like that's mm. his, like, he's like the patron, you know, the patron saint of losers, burnouts and, uh, uh, you know, idiosyncratic geniuses. Yeah. Uh, and then like Streep is kind of like the, uh, the patron saint of like self-made woman or like, uh, you know, the, the, uh, <sighs> But the, the, yeah. the, I mean, even the, the, the kind of the way, whether they are successful, whether it's a triumph or a tragedy, the way women are treated in society, True. I would say you like, if yeah. you look at everything from Devil Wears Prada to Sophie's Choice, mm-hmm. I mean, she reaches the heights of success in Devil Wears Prada and she obviously things don't go well at all. Yeah. Ever. In Sophie's choice, um, but it is kind of like trying to maintain a level of dignity, a measure of strength in the face of like the world kind of wanting to stomp you down. Yeah, even like the River Wild is. Yeah, like, absolutely, yeah. because I mean, th- those are still like dipshit men. Whether it's her ineffectual husband David Strathairn or psycho Kevin Bacon, psycho sexy, but sexy yeah. in there, Kevin Bacon, or just uh, lovable doofus John Riley. Oh man, <laughs> yeah. Uh- God, what a great lovable doof. You know, and it's like she all Meryl Streep could be like mother of the year, take him on this rafting trip, and all Bacon needs to do is say he went to Lollapalooza 93. <laughs> <laughs> and her yeah. son's like thinks bacon, thinks the world of bacon. Yeah. Um yeah, so I think like it's yeah, and no matter what, and I think this is kind of star power too, and kind of shape it to what the way you see things when you get a hold of a script and that kind of thing. And I, but I am curious and I'm excited for future seasons to kind of um, see how these kind of running these through lines reveal themselves for these other actors that we're going to take a look at. Yes. Um, 
but we should probably move on to 2018's Paterno, uh, directed by Barry Levinson, screenplay by Deborah Kahn and John C. Richards, starring Al Pacino, Riley Keough. Keough? Then. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's Keo. It's like Doe. I actually learned that uh, from uh, Adam Muscatel, friend of the pod. Ah, fr- uh, French lieutenant's woman. Yeah. Uh, the French lieutenant's woman himself, Adam Muscatel. Yeah, the original uh, French lieutenant's woman. Uh, Kathy Baker, Greg Grunberg, who's the guy I was referring to earlier, who's in all the J.J. Abrams stuff. Yes. And uh, Annie Parisi. 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 Ah, boy, I'm I, 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 I don't even know that one. Another running thing. How, would, how many names is Don going to mispronounce? Uh, um, it's all, it's this all. aired April 7th. 2018 generally positive reaction uh, only two emmy nominations uh wow. outstanding television movie and directed uh al not nominated Weird. um although like it's interesting uh, we'll talk yeah. about it so this this is a this is a uh mm. this is a difficult this is a really difficult to watch movie um yes it's <sighs> Yeah, I, I mean, I was genuinely, like, feeling pretty, uh, a good load of despair by the time I finished this film. Yeah. Um, I remember we I tried to watch it a few years ago when it was on the air. Mm-hmm. And we got about 10 minutes in, and Jen was like, turn this off. Just turn it off. And I yeah. even tried to describe what she was like, oh, what's that one about when I was doing it when we were getting ready to watch it for this? And I got about, like, a sentence in, and she was like, nope, nope. And that might be the reason why some of these Emmy nominations and this is not, it's not something anyone really wants to watch yeah, <laughs> at the I, end of the day. Is, it is like, yeah, it is a thing where it's like, man, like this is truly like the subject matter is so dark. You do have to wonder like, yeah, who, on um, who is this for? I guess it's just like, I think it like there's, you know, the reason why this movie is called Paterno is 100% because Al Pacino is playing Paterno. And I think that's yeah. like, that's really, I guess, how they got eyeballs on this was being like, look, it's Al Pacino as you as Joe Paterno. Crazy. Yeah. And I mean, this is this and this. I mean, I remember when this, you know, I don't are you are you're not really a football fan, are you, Patrick? You know, you know, I'm not a huge football fan and I'm definitely not a big college football yeah. fan, but to Joe, to the testament to Joe Paterno's popularity, like I knew, I knew who he was and like what he did, like and his like standing in society before a, a, everything came out. A true giant, yeah. Um, you know, and I remember seeing him as a kid because yeah, he he's I mean like such a distinct look and like mm-hmm. style and stuff like that on the sidelines. You know, he looked like a like a nineteen sixty like Mister Wizard. There's, a, there's, an, there's an old reference <laughs> from the show. <laughs> well, it's like, um, yeah. But yeah, like, yeah, he looks like a science teacher from 1963. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he was at Penn State for uh, 61 years. So crazy. And he was 84 years old when we meet him in this movie. And um, he's got a statue outside of the stadium. Uh, he's just beyond powerful in this small community. And he's he's essentially a god, and um, in a truly Shakespearean manner, he is struck down by the yeah. gods in a in a big big way by um, you know essentially because he is so dialed in on coaching and winning and his role, he turns a blind eye to. Um, 
you know, one of the most heinous things imaginable. Yeah, it is. And it's pretty bad. It's, it was, like, it's not even pretty. It's bad. It's uh, no, just bad. It's, it's horrid. And it's like, yeah. um, and it has like, yeah, it does have like that vibe of like, yeah, Shakespearean, almost like Greek tragedy. Uh, yeah. Where it's just like, you don't realize that like, you've taken part in something truly horrible. It almost reminds me of like, I can't believe I'm saying this, like a, like a view from the bridge. Mm-hmm. Where like uh, it takes Eddie like accidentally kissing his like his his uh his like uh, niece in that play to realize how truly fucked up he is as an individual. And the uh, yeah, and this does have those vibes like with with yeah. Shakespeare or Arthur Miller or whatever. Like um, kind of yeah. the high. It, unfortunately, a horrific true story though. You oh, know, if yeah. it was written, you know, as a f- piece of fiction. That's one yeah. thing, but the yeah, in the grimness, it sucks. Plays it's in the fact that it's real life, and you know, and it is true. Like he is the last one to realize mm-hmm. just what has happened. But the way this is, this movie progresses is, it's just this series of every character who's surrounding him, who's at Penn State, kind of like letting it sink in about just like it starts off as like this this little seed of like, hey, you hear this is going on into this full scale like you know ever everyone is fired most go to jail yeah um and rightfully so yeah no and but it it is just to watch his family and then um all kind of leads up to perhaps the most um difficult horrifying scene um the students at the school after they find out he's been let go um they riot basically and to defend him and i mean again i don't want to get like too like it's very like i think a little simplistic but and i you know obviously they weren't the same as these people but you get vibes of those like charlottesville riots and that kind of stuff when you see all of these like beefy cornbread white guys screaming in defense of something indefensible well it's like it shows like how like truly lost we are as a society in the sense that like it feels like for a lot of kids and uh, unfortunately you watch this a lot of adults it seems like um whatever uh you know in like the whatever like was once like the place where like we put like our love for community or like family like it's been replaced with like i feel like um something out of culture whether it's yeah a parasocial relationships yeah politics sports the marvel movies even yeah oh totally and you identify and defend that to the death basically yeah it's like suddenly it's like yeah it's like instead of like uh yeah having like a good relationship with your fucking cousins or whatever yeah you have a good relationship with uh you know it's either you know the the anaheim ducks or rocket raccoon or like whatever the fuck and it's like it's it's poisonous it's carcinogenic i mean but if you look at 
I mean, the way that like politics have become a TV show with your favorite characters and you want yeah. them to go on the hero's journey and that kind of stuff. It's like, no, these people are like in charge of your fucking medical care. Yeah, well, <laughs> like, and it's like, and, and it's stuff to go like, back to Kevorkian. Yeah, well, and like Q is like QAnon and all that shit is like that represents like the ultimate synthesis of all that stuff. Well, that's storytelling. Yeah, that's oh, like totally. the story you want to hear and the story these people want to hear about in the, in, you know, Penn State is that they their god, mm-hmm. uh, this man who is declared um, a coach, an educator, yes. and a humanitarian. Yes. Um, <sighs> could be so callously blind. Yeah, and which he was. Oh, totally. Well, it's, and it, well, it's like you know, the thing too is like, yeah, you like. It's so crazy. I didn't, uh, I should have known this, but I didn't realize until I saw this movie that like he had a statue of himself while he was alive. Yeah. That's, that's insane. And like, I feel like, and it's not like he was the one who like, you know, made it happen. I'm not saying he's like, you know, fucking, uh, you know, putting statues of himself all over the place. Like he's like, you know, like, like, like he he didn't didn't argue, he didn't argue against it. That's what I'm saying. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, it's like, yeah, it's, it's, that's not good. I and, don't know. Yeah. I mean, and to get, you know, to get to the illness of it, mm-hmm. I mean, the craziest, I, I remember when this was going down, it was just absolutely nuts. Um, within like two months mm-hmm. of all of this, he was dead. Yeah. He died of lung cancer. And, and it's just, and, and then when that goes down and then, you know, more abuse is revealed because this guy, um, the, and we don't need to even name yeah. him because he's fucking. Or, yeah, hor- the guy yeah. did the guy the just a monster, like a monster of the highest order, and right there, it's oh, just yeah. it's just it's startling, and the way the movie presents it with and and this goes also to the um maybe my probably my favorite performance in the movie is actually Riley Keough who plays the uh, young uh, student reporter who kind of breaks this story mm-hmm. and um you know not only is she trying to make his reporter and an honest report you know journalist and that sort of thing she's a penn state student and i mean those scenes where she like goes to the dorm and she's hanging out with like they not jocks these like like hipsters they yeah. listen to the they listen to scarlet begonias by the dead <laughs> like you know and the way that they immediately like curse her out when she's when they find out she's doing the stories about him and like say some pretty raw pretty raw language to her horrid stuff and then watching her face when she's in the riot sequences and i'm so worried about her even though i you know we would have heard if the reporter had been attacked that would have been a story too at the time but i was very like that's how dangerous those riot scenes feel is that I was like very concerned that she was going to get like ID'd by these psychos who were running around trying to get, you know, Joe Paul's job back. Yeah. Well, it's, it, and, and, you know, I think like to so many people, he represented this like huge, uh, you know, it's kind of like when Bill Cosby like was outed as a horrid freak, uh, you know, 
a lot of people didn't take that well because it's like how can this guy from my childhood be such a better like this person who like you know helped people get into you know with joe pa like he's did a lot for the school did and, a lot for the community yeah yeah or like seemingly at least seemingly yeah yeah and uh and uh, it, it's it shows you like how people like it's so hard for people to not form these like parasocial relationships. It is like this, like, it's a scary, like, I don't know, like, uh, and it kind of shows like the, to the extent which like, like, I don't know if it's like, you need to find fucking God or some shit or like, you know, or like right. join, join a whittling club. Like people need, like, there needs to be a way to like take that like energy. And I don't know. We're not going to solve it on this podcast. I'm a dumbass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, I mean, this is a, this is who I think one of the big, you know, defining problems of the time is what's also um, the antisocialization of everyone. Oh yeah. I mean, 100%. the way that the internet has just driven people apart or driven people into these strange corners where they're never disagreed with and they never run into differences or any of that kind of thing i mean i could only imagine i so i was in i graduated from high school in the year 2000 and so facebook wasn't around the Mm -hmm. closest thing we had really was aol instant messenger existed Mm -hmm. um and i feel so grateful that i was not in (laughs) high school when like instagram was around oh yeah like or twitter or something like that like I it's it's on. I talk to my wife about this all the time. Both of us just find it like this unimaginable pain. Like high school is already painful, yeah. and now you're just like driven into this place of like absolute solitude. Like you know, we watch like a Linklater movie and like Dazed and Confused, mm-hmm. and they're just like driving around. Yeah, and then they bump into people, and then they drive around some more. And I like got the tail end of that when I was in high school and you know what that was? It was great. It that was rules. really great. That sounds awesome. I, it's, it's, it's funny. Cause I got like the very big, I was super lucky in the sense that like, um, like I didn't get the tail end of that. And I only, but I only got the beginning. Thank goodness. Like Facebook was starting to become popular when maybe I was like a junior in high mm-hmm. school. And like, uh, if I go back in time and look at like my, my Facebook posts from like 2008 and nine, they're so like, uh, they're so basic. And it's, uh, this is like back when Facebook would be like, you know, you'd have your name and mm-hmm. it'd be like, is a wacky guy. Or, you know, you'd put like, is like, I would just, it's just like stuff like that. It's just very silly. And um, like nowadays it's like, yeah, oh, golly. It's like, it's great. But like, you know, we'll, we'll adapt people. And like, and people, the good news is there are people that find ways to like, you know, to tackle like, it is there, there are ways. It's not hopeless, but yeah, I but mean, these movies definitely fill you fill you with dread. They they fill you with dread and kind of a sense that you know, I do believe that there's like this feeling of this is like the cusp mm-hmm. of kind of how things got worse with like whether it's QAnon or just like yeah. the way people reacted to the quarantine and just any of this stuff. The the true chaos in the restless souls mm-hmm. of the American people and, you know, frankly, American men. Um, yeah. Well, this was like an interesting thing too. Cause I feel like this movie was kind of like a, uh, like, I feel like this is like the last time in a movie that really like 
uh, like 2011 was kind of like um, people tend to forget that like even like as late as 10, 2011, like people were still like super homophobic. And there's a lot of that in this, like, it's really crazy. Like some of the stuff that's said uh, by some of the, the, the dumb meatheads in this movie. Yeah. And, I yeah. think this, this movie is, it's grim, man. Like, oh, I guess man. that's it's, the only way to put yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, it's super great. It's yeah. It's like, uh, it's super like, and it's just, it's not, um, it's a well-made film. That's what I was going to say. I think this is actually the best movie out of three, two. Oh, totally. <laughs> I would say it's like a, it's the, it's the best, but like, it's also like, I don't know if I'll ever want to watch. I mean, this. it's like, yeah, it's like I'll take a look at Funny Games again or something. Yeah, like that. honestly, <laughs> like Funny Games is like a bright. Uh, there's more hope in Funny Games. The yeah. end of Funny Games seems more optimistic than. <laughs> at least Funny Games feels like a narrative experiment. This is like a rip from the headlines. Uh, yeah. Take a hero, and what's the worst thing? Yeah. That it could possibly be involved in. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this. Yeah, <laughs> and, and guess what? It really happened. It was real. <laughs> and then, yeah, and the only real hope is in this the Sarah character, the reporter, played by Riley Keough. Yeah. In that, like, okay, she's decent. Yeah, she's nice. She's, she's great. she seems nice. She's like a human being. Yeah. Uh, who just kind of you know wants to do the right thing and get the story and protect the people she's who are being extraordinarily vulnerable to her and like um, uh, also yeah. uh, a shout out to peter jacobson too is uh the uh uh i guess her like boss at so is she like is that like the newspaper for the call the university no it's not it's 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 a local one but i think she like is like oh they like never Harrisburg. really they don't really uh totally explain it but it sounds like she almost like got an internship there that has kind of turned into a a real job a real job kind of deal which oh, you yeah. know happens yeah i think it's like the patriot ledger is what they is what it was yeah patriot news patriot, oh, news. patriot news patriot news. oh patriot ledger is the quincy massachusetts is uh kinsey yeah that's that's actually there uh i just i just typed in patriot ledger and yeah. i was like oh that's why i was saying that i think it's because i saw like a mike mitchell interview <laughs> and i had that in uh Again, oh. ha- hashtag less Pratt, more Mitch. Yes, tomorrow we're a much more optimistic film than, than this one. Uh, but, uh, the war was supposed to start tomorrow. <laughs> that movie's so silly. Uh, okay. But uh, but uh, yeah, I, I, I this actually, is a hard, this is a hard set. Yeah, this movie. Uh, it's good. I think it's a good movie. I think it's actually. I think, you know, to get back to what we were talking about, like exposing this and perhaps tearing off a very raw wound mm-hmm. in order to hopefully on the other side. I mean, this is this is pretty fucking pie in the sky optimistic here that I'm going to yeah. say, but it's like that maybe on the other side. Um, we can, you know, as a society, learn something and grow from yeah. something like this. Like, oh, man, yeah, you, but, do get the, you do get the vibe. This movie is like, yeah, it's like you this movie is like ripping off a bandaid and releasing the separating pus. Uh, there's even like scenes where like, it feels like you're seeing it through a filter of pus. Like it's really like, there's like a lot of like yellows and like weird. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a purposely ugly. Yeah. Colors. Like it's colorless. The film. Mm-hmm. Also, uh, also- oh, interestingly enough, the only person who wears actual color in the movie is Riley Keough. Yes. Uh, Which is when, yeah, that's yeah. a very, Barry, 
That's good filmmaking. Yeah, Barry's good. Yeah, Barry is good. Barry is good. Barry's good. The Rain Man himself? No, he's not the Rain Man. He's Uh, not the uh, Rain Man. That's Dusty. That's Dusty, and you can picture Al Pacino going, "Should have been me." (laughs) Oh man, yeah. (laughs) I I would watch Al Pacino as the Rain Man. That'd be fun. Well, I mean, that's yeah, different movie. Got to be the entire reason he took Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade was Pisa Hoffman. Yeah, pull pull off a very similar role. real yeah oh god uh uh uh, i we haven't really talked about al pacino's performance which is interesting and Uh, i think that is part of this movie it is the kind of that you kind of were talking about it earlier he oh he gets a little lost in the shuffle mm -hmm. and i think he's playing joe paterno appropriately but joe paterno was not really much not the like extroverted pacino type character Oh, yeah. Very, like, uh, you know, it's a very subdued uh, performance because I think, yeah, IRL Paterno was a subdued guy. And there's, like... There's well, he's of- also, like, 84. I mean, yeah. he's older than Al Pacino. Well, and he's, like, so, like, it's weird. It is, like, there are moments where, like, there's, like, one scene, for example, where, like, he says something and it's, like, it's so mumbly that I couldn't even... I couldn't even, and, 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 there, and there are also like very weird moments in this film where like it feels like like Joe Paterno exists in this like bizarro liminal space. Like it feels like he's in like the Fortress of Solitude or some shit. It's very he's, weird. He's clearly been so isolated and protected yeah. into playing this role that he comes off as a guy who almost has dementia when he's thrown into a... Um, the real world basically yeah it's like it's like yeah he's so set in his ways and like he it's like he is a fucking uh part of a an elaborate cuckoo clock and like there's like an obstacle and like he doesn't know how to like he can't he's on like a he's on hooks and wires he can't move from his like set path and like mm-hmm. it's like you're just watching him like break and fall apart it's, yeah and i think that when those, so. when those cracks start to show i mean i think it's pretty the kind of the big moment is after he's fired he has to watch a penn state football game for the first time just at home on tv and yeah. that's kind of when it all really uh, sadly enough it's not when he discovers the horrific crimes that took place under his nose it's when he's not able to coach penn state is when he realizes kind of the gravity of what's actually happened like i don't think until that moment he i think he's fairly certain he's going to get his job back like even when he goes outside he thinks he he confuses a near riot with a pep rally oh it's like yeah that whole thing is so the part where like the the older brother when grunberg goes out and they won't listen to him. And, and no. you know, and the way that the, all of his like large adult sons and he has some large adult oh sons my God. in the this most, movie. The most large and adult. It is <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I love like a God bless Greg Gunberg. Yeah. he He's like, yeah. They, they must have put him in the most ill-advised shirt for most of that movie. Oh, it's insane. Like with the sleeves. It's, it's like a pirate shirt, but it's gigantic because he's particularly gigantic in this yeah. movie like, uh, he's like he definitely has like a, some fit padding i think i don't think he's so. got it because he's he's way bigger than yeah. he usually is i mean he's he's a he's a stocky guy but yeah. um no but he's but, like it's like it's he is i think he's i think he's i think he's very good in this movie yeah too. i like him too he's like yeah he's like uh i think he's like an underrated i wish uh, mm-hmm. grumberg did more 
You know, he doesn't have to play Snap Wexley and shit. Like the play like well, I like I like that uh, everyone in in Paterno's family weren't exact. They could have like done a typical Pacino thing and like put a bunch of like famous like John C. Riley could have been one of his sons or oh, yeah. you know something like that. And they instead chose a lot of like just interesting faces who really, I mean, like Jesus. In this movie, there's this report, this dossier of kind of what went down. And yes. they gets brought to Joe Paterno's house and slowly, but surely as the film progresses, each of his family members reads it. he doesn't want to read it. Um, and each of his family members read it and watching them just break as they read it. And then of course, like they, t- they say what it says and what it says, it's like, yeah, bad. Um, and yeah, but just watching them and then like, finally when he's confronted by all of them like dad you gotta read this report man like yeah. this is this is bad news and then when he finally does it's like he doesn't understand it it's like so far beyond yeah he doesn't like at this point in his life he can't imagine because it's like to be in his position it's like it's it's yeah it's kind of like this thing where like if probably did like kill him a little bit i don't know it is oh yeah oh i mean it's the same you know you hear that story like with these people who like with a true level of devotion and when that thing is taken away from them Mm -hmm. it just like and you hear it in more like sadly beautiful ways of like a romantic partner who passes away right who predeceases you and then you you know you you get like you you hear that about like james stewart that happened Mm -hmm. to him um But like with a lot of these folks, like I was thinking, and this is this is a person who's not, you know, guilty of any crimes at all. He's he's rules. But like I read this story about like David Lynch. If you took him to a gas station, he would not understand how a gas pump worked. Yeah. Like right, 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 when right. you are put in a position like that, in like a dream scenario, like David Lynch, where it's like everyone around you is in service mm-hmm. of your art. And so you can accomplish your art, which makes a lot of people very, very, very satisfied. And I think Lynch has got fans in the same vein that Paterno does. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, like there's like this. Uh, and we're not comparing the two of them. I don't I want to make that no, very, no, very clear. No, 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 no. Well, it's like, yeah, we can use like uh, like Phil Spector probably has like fans. Like I'm sure I'm sure he did. Yeah, I'm yeah. sure. I'm sure he did. <laughs> One yeah. of them was probably David Mamet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and, and and the fact that like phil specter made this really i mean you hear it on the radio even you know my, jen and i drive around we listen to 60s on six on sirius and we love it yeah and his sound is great what he he understood a satisfying pop rock sound yeah. he really did um just like joe paterno understood football and he understood how to deal with young men yeah um but that doesn't, you know, I guess the bottom line is that you should be a well-rounded, try your best to be a well-rounded human being. Like devotion is one thing, but under trying to continue with having one foot in the world um, yeah. is important. Yeah, and well, I think you see that with artists too, though. Like the more out of touch they get, the lamer their art gets. That is true. Or they get more in- internal, like Lynch, or you can even get into like, I mean, imagine the world Wes Anderson lives in, or yeah. imagine the world Quentin Tarantino lives in. Like they do their thing, and they're so isolated. And they have so much like these, you know, sycophants 
mm-hmm. who are there to provide them like you know, I don't know where the bottle of wine comes from, but it's here. <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, like David Lynch is like the pure, like the most like ideal form of that. Where like, yeah, it, yeah, where it's like he's an interesting guy. He's for the seems most part, like seems decent. Like a, yeah, he seems like a nice guy. Like everything, everything kind of like, um, and it's also like going towards art that like probably wouldn't exist without the kind of like love he gets. Yeah, um, he's able to push boundaries into new realms unexpected realms so probably beautiful scary realms yeah like lynch will like lynch will never have to like direct a tv movie on hbo yeah and if he did it would be awesome because it would be like what he wants yeah yeah i mean this one would be he would go into joe paterno's mri machine and never return yeah if he was if he was making this film yeah but i think i think barry levinson really understands the story that needs to be told here there, yes. this movie does not. There is no attempts at humor. Yeah, it's it's all super. It's it's grim. It's uh, necessarily so. Um, it's uh, you know, it feels uh, kind. Of, it feels reverent to what you know, because I think that you know there are scenes with like people that went through what happened and like he treats those pretty well there's like one or two yeah there's one or two moments where like uh, it's a little like tv movie i'd say like the stuff at the high school was a little like uh a little like uh you know like that was a little like i don't know if we needed like the music and like uh the i don't know but uh although it also does a good job of showing like um the uh just how much people fucking loved Penn State football. Yeah, it understands the, um, it explains kind of the risk of that level of fandom and yeah. the, dan- the dangers of all of it. Um, yeah. So we should probably, yeah, get to summon things up here. Yeah, um, let's, do, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, like we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to rank them. We're going to decide if any of these should have been the tournament. And we're going to give a kazale. <coughs> Excuse me. Um. So I'll go first with the rankings. We'll do this in a funny order. Um, I'll just, yeah, I think it's, for me, it's Paterno, you don't know Jack, Phil Spector. That's fair. Uh, How about you? I think, uh, I think I would go, hmm, I think I'm, I would go the same, although I think, like, it's pretty, like, I think I did, like, uh, you know, Spectre was interesting. Although, like, yeah, I think the thing that really keeps Spectre in the third place spot is, like, its ambiguity. It's it's a uh, inability to kind of, like, uh, commit to a, uh, a clear point. Kind of um, its sl- sloppiness. Yeah, exactly. And, like, yeah, and also just Helen, you know, and, uh, it just, it's just unfortunate that her character doesn't really get to have as much of a... She, she's, it's like she's a Stingo, unfortunately. Yeah. And like a lesser, like she's a great actor in it. She's a great performer in it, but like, you know, her character doesn't get that much. Uh, she, her job is mainly like kind of like law exposition. And we don't know her at all. We yeah. don't really know what her deal is mm-hmm. in the slightest, other than the fact she shows up. She's apparently supposed to be big because she has this high power job. She's got to be good at it. Yeah. And, she, she's yeah. dying of pneumonia. And she's dying of pneumonia. Yeah. But yeah, I think, yeah, I, yeah, I think that's pretty, that seems, that seems, seems to be pretty good order yeah. there yeah uh, i mean none of these movies are like you know, we're now talking about dog day afternoon or the godfather 2 here <laughs> but you know they're yeah. they're, they're, they're they're fine yeah. um 
yeah and so uh in terms of pacino uh, you know, I'll, I'll say I don't think any of these are tournament movies. I agree with you. I think if we we're going to take any of his TV work, it would uh, Angels in America mm-hmm. would probably be the one that I'd want in the tournament. Because uh, he, he, he's great in that. He's yeah. truly great in that. Oh, 100%. That might as well be just a long movie, too. Like, it's pretty, uh, although, yeah, I guess it's a miniseries, but like, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, that's like easily, that's like, yeah. It's a above. it's one it's one big story. Yeah, yeah. I I think yeah. I mean these are good. He's great. You know he's I mean he's always great. We you know we love him around here. But yeah. I think he's um. Yeah, I mean these the these are a little like. He's definitely putting in the effort, but these are all kind of things we know and trust he can he can do. Yeah. You know. They're like yeah. They're supplements. They're like uh, you know if you are a Pacino uh, completist. Uh, worth a watch, uh, depending on how much uh, horrible stuff you can stomach. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't watch all three in a row. Don't. But yeah, they're, that's, they're, that's, that'll soul crush you. They are interesting films with important things to say. Yeah. Uh, and then in terms of our Cazale of the week, we got a lot of options. Patrick, do you want to um, hand out a John Cazale Supporting Player of the Week award? Oh, man. Uh, a lot of good choices. We talked about John uh, Piricello, who was great. Um we talked about, uh, there's a lot of interesting, you know, Greg Runberg was interesting. I'm going to have to give it to Brenda uh, Vaccaro, though. I think she was, like, uh, just really, really good. She stood out. I think part of why she stood out, too, you nailed it on the on the top of the head. Uh, she stood out because she was, like, uh, the only actor that, um, it wasn't clear what her shtick was, and she seemed to really fully inhabit, like, her character in a way that like a lot of other performances in this didn't. Cause like when you watch this, like, you know, Tambor's being Tambor, Goodman's being Goodman, Pacino's being Pacino. Uh, and Brenda feels like she is truly playing Kevorkian's, uh, you know, uh, sister. And yeah. which is like, you know, it's tough. Kevorkian's an odd dude who is not fun to be around a lot of times. Yeah. Uh, so like, and she does a good job of portraying that um breaking a very important piece of news oh too. no! i oh, want to break in here yeah a real mama mia moment uh production paterno september 8th 2012 it was reported that icm partners would take a package for a film about joe paterno starring al pacino as paterno on january 16th 2013 it was reported that brian de palma would direct the film Oh, oh no, wow. what did we miss? <laughs> wow, what would that have been? That is that's crazy. <laughs> and it was it was suspended during pre-production due to budget issues. I'm gonna give it to I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this to Riley Keough. Yeah, very good. I think that I mean Brenda Vicaro was actually my gonna be my choice as well. I think that he was kind of she had kind of the dynamite per- supporting performance of the yeah. week, but uh, I think Riley Keough helps paterno maintain a foot in humanity which is very very important by the time you're done with a six hour this six hour cycle (laughs) yeah yeah. god yeah the 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 death of humanity cycle like had a had a yeah had paterno just been about paterno they would have been too black like it would have been we never left that paterno house we would have been yeah i don't know if we'd be able to do this podcast yeah (laughs) it's too grim 
but that was i mean regardless of how grim that was those very it interesting yeah. i enjoyed the side check you know alan gives us the, gives us these surprises at all times mm-hmm. uh next week we're back into tournament play uh we've got a extremely hot matchup uh dunk the afternoon versus donnie brosco um boy anyone's anyone's ball game in this, in this out Alpe- anyone's bow game <laughs> Uh, okay, we're see we can. It's okay. There's hope. There's hope. There's hope. We, we, you know what? The puns will survive. The puns, <laughs> the puns will survive. The puns will rise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, this was an interesting week. Back in the tournament play next week. Uh, Dog Day Afternoon streaming on HBO Max, I believe. Well, Donnie Bros goes on Stars. So if you want to play along, if you've already watched them, I'm sure you already have passionate opinions. Um, but yeah, we'd love to hear from you and, uh, you know, check us out on our, you know, burgeoning Twitter feed. Oh yeah. And, uh, we'll see y'all next week. Have a wonderful week. Bye. He asked me for a dollar. I said, go get a job. I turned up my collar and started walking on. He said, I don't blame you, I know what you think I just spend your money to buy another drink But you don't know, Jack, double shot, 80 proof On the rocks until you've lost it all And you can't go